to the Medianers Podcast. I'm Dan Vadabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. And you know what I'm learning this week, Kenton? Uh, crime doesn't pay. That, that yes, <laughs> of course. Uh, but also I'm learning not to diss Alex Trebek and or Jeopardy. Uh, I sent out you a tweet. I, I thought it would be hilarious. Oh boy, this is, this has been a theme for you this semester. Well. <laughs> alienating all your friends with tweets that you think are harmless. Well, I thought it was. I thought it was right. Um, what did so you say? I said something along the lines of like, "Why is Jeopardy on Netflix now?" If you had noticed, Jeopardy is on Netflix. I don't know how much they have there. I, actually, I saw it and I and I went, "Hey, Jeopardy's on Netflix." And then I didn't add it to my watch. Like, list. who cares? I just what? thought it was interesting. <laughs> so my thing is, yeah. who is binge watching Jeopardy? And then I had like probably one of my most popular tweet in the last month. <laughs> All everybody say, I do, I do, I do, hatred. I do, I love it, it's awesome. And then I realized quickly that oh, okay, I'm talking to the generation that does not have cable TV and therefore does not watch Jeopardy every day. Like for me, I watched Jeopardy every day. It was something that was a it daily post school treat. Exactly. Yeah. You go, you sit. I used to watch it with my mom after school, just before supper. Yeah. We'd watch Jeopardy. Then yes. we'd go eat. The ultimate in parent and child entertainment. It, it really is. It really is. Yeah, it, yeah. Nothing, it never got better than that. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe Wheel of Fortune in its heyday. Well, that, but the two of them worked together to accomplish that. That's that when it was yeah. in its heyday. It was right. in the in the late nineties, early nineties, rather late eighties, early nineties. So to me, watching a rerun of Jeopardy is like watch. It's like cheating. Because you know, you know what the answer. Even if you don't distinctly remember yeah. it, you probably will remember the answer once you see the, or remember the question once you see the answer. So anyway, I've learned my lesson. I'm sorry, everybody who I offended by my <laughs> my uh, horrible tweet about Jeopardy. It's you know, it's still I guess a good show. I have not seen it in a long time. The only time I ever seem to see anything having to do with Jeopardy is when Alex Trebek is especially snarky to a uh, contestant. That seems to make the rounds on uh, social media. So, Well, it's funny that you mentioned it because, uh, well, well, first of all, my mother and stepdad, I believe, watch still watch it every day. When I see it on TV, like, I don't record it. But when I see it's on, I'm like, oh, so I'll, I'll watch sure. it. Like, yeah. I'll watch it here and there. But this week, I just decided on a whim. I started watching some old SCTV videos, and oh my god, they're so funny. I watched their different, different instead of different strokes, they have different folks. Yeah, and that's pretty damn hilarious. And they've got instead of Conrad Bain, they have his real life twin brother, Bonard Bain, on the show. <laughs> Uh, with two different kids who look like Gary Coleman and, and Todd Bridges. It is just pure where, where gold. Where are you watching these? On YouTube. Oh, excellent. Okay, so so I watched that. Then the recommended one was Halfwits um, with Martin Short <laughs> as right. a guy who's like, I'm not that quick, Alex. I'm not that quick. Yeah. And um, and Eugene Levy playing Alex Trebell. Um, and a parody, <laughs> a parody of the of the Alex Trebek we remember from days gone by with the big with the perm and the mustache. Yeah. And holy crap, is that funny stuff? That is just so. And of course, SNL does it, but they got it from SCTV. Well, they haven't done it for years. Yeah. They redid. They redid it, it during. The, yeah, it did come yeah. from that. They redid it during the. Uh, um, what's it called? Norm Macdonald was there. Yeah, but the reunion, the, the 40th anniversary yeah, special, they, yeah. had, they had an old one, but or they had a re reunion of it. But Will they have not—that was Will Ferrell's thing. Yeah. Like he was, no, they've not done it on a regular basis. The whole Ferrell. secret to Eugene Levy's performance is the irritation. Is the slow burn of I'm going to murder everybody here, right? Alex and that's, that's getting, what makes that's it funny. Right. Alex Trebek. I mean, it's still kind of the same thing in the in the Will Ferrell version. Yeah. But they just is it's way like for the American audience, it's way over the top. And I have right? and I always have to point out, I met Alex Trebek in Boston. He was signing books, uh, Jeopardy books in the mall, and uh, I was like, "Holy shit, it's Alex Trebek!" So hey. I, go, I went in there and I was like, "Alex Trebek, I'm from Winnipeg," and he went, "Huh?" <laughs> like literally, "Huh? Huh?" Like a non-committal, huh? And uh, he goes, all right, who should I autograph this to? And I go, Kenton. And so he autographs the book. 
The answer is Kenton. Alex Trebek. <laughs> and he gives it to me. He's like, he's like, that's, I guess, his autograph. That's what he signs what for he, anybody. Yeah. And so I took that, I proudly took that book home. And it was only been a recent times that I realized it's gone. I don't know what I did oh, with no. it. I know. It was my pride and joy. So if anybody has the Jeopardy book at home, please check the inside cover and just see if it's mine. And if well, it is, maybe... You might have given it away by accident and, uh, it, well, and it ends up in a value village somewhere. My guess is when you're looking at what books to trim from the bookshelf, that's an easy one to <laughs> go, well, why the right. hell does anybody need a Jeopardy book and throw it in a... Forgetting like, that he signed the, it. The book version of the TV show. That's right. Like, who needs this? So I, that's probably what happened. Speaking of meeting... I know we'll get to the nerd news in a second. This is a bit of a long intro, but speaking of... The uh, meeting Canadian celebrities. I met Rick Mercer last week. Wow. Uh, what was he, he? What was he doing around these parts? He was here signing books. He oh, was, he was making. <laughs> get this. He was making an appearance at the local Walmart. Come uh, on. <laughs> he shows up at Walmart. No, no. But he. I. I met him at CGOB. I was working at CGOB last weekend, and he was here uh, to go on the show with Hal Anderson. And uh, he was just in the office, in there, just hanging out, waiting to go on. I just kind of walked up and said, hi, nice to meet you. I don't do selfies or anything like that. I just want to say hi and shake someone's hand and tell them yeah. I'm a big fan. And he was very nice about it. And then uh, he was very good on the show. And then, yeah, he was here to promote his new book. And he was making an appearance at, like, the Keniston Walmart. Uh, that's where he's like, the he's Keniston like, come on, Walmart. Come on down, pick up some snacks. And, I mean, how do they get that? I don't know how that works with with book signings. The but Keniston Walmart. Right. I, you got to think, where is that? Where's the way con- out? Way out by, um, you know, by like uh, past, by IKEA and all past that. Past the train tracks. <laughs> past. I don't go past the train tracks. <laughs> you don't go to the wrong side of the tracks. No. Or you live on the wrong side of the tracks. Um, I'm a, uh, my mom used to live on the other side of the train tracks, and that was that that uh, stymied many a visit when I was waiting at those friggin'. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be like six hours late now because there's a tra- never-ending train on those tracks. Very true. You could not get past those. All tracks. right. So yeah, now I, I have no reason to go there anymore. Least of all to buy slacks or meet, or Rick, Mercer. meet Rick Mercer. Exactly. <laughs> and by the way, what's the book version of his show? That's a, that's about as appealing as the Jeopardy book. <laughs> well, I think it's because the show's done now. Hey, this hour's twenty two yeah. minutes is not on anymore. No, well, that, that Mercer Rick Report. Mercer yeah. Report. That's right. I don't know. I guess I guess it is the book version of that in that it's just a bunch of the, the funny stories that he told on. Uh, who knows? I don't know. He wants to make a buck by selling a book. That's correct. He that's does. Want, he does want to make a buck. But that, I, I think that's what he's doing at the Walmart. He wants to make a buck. <laughs> that's right. It's that simple. All right. Let's get into the nerd news. Nerd news. Tell me, do you have a girlfriend, Brody? Had one. We just broke up. The thing. Is this dork made of orange rock like the rest of his body? <laughs> it's a superhero secret. Tell me, Brody, uh, why did you and your girlfriend break up? She was a pain in the ass. She wanted me to be this typical boyfriend guy. Said I was too into my own world, comics and all. Yeah, I can relate. There was a time when it was all about comics for me. You know, I, I had a girl probably the same as yours. She always complained that I spent too much time with my own comics. And, uh... Eventually, we broke up. See, what did she know? Here you are now, a legend in the field. Probably had a slew of women censor, am I right? Oh, lots of women. Jagger and me, we had a running contest to see who had the most. Matter of fact, last time I looked, I was way ahead. Damn, that's hot! Rest in peace, Stan Lee. Uh, and he, of course, uh, passed away Monday. Uh, he was 95. What did you? How did you feel? What was your reaction when you heard the news? Uh, unsurprised, because yeah. he kind of... 
he seemed to be a guy who cheated death. <laughs> like, who's like, he's one of those old guys. Like, I, today I found out Kirk Douglas is 102 years old. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, and it's like yeah. one of those guys where you're like, oh my, like, how how old can this person get? Well, and Stan Lee was in sort of that category. Kirk Douglas has not been in a movie in decades, as far as I can right. remember. Whereas Stan Lee is still, was right. still very much active and in the public eye. He was in every single one of those Marvel movies. And he's still make, he was still making con appearances up until last year. There, there was the unfortunate fortunate story in recent times of him being taken advantage of right it was confusing i'm still like hollywood reporter is the place that broke that story it was a really scary story and but there were the jury was kind of out on and then then initially stan lee said no i'm not being taken advantage of but then ultimately i think he said no i am being taken advantage of by these guys who i thought were my friends uh so and it was it was it's too bad because uh through through most of my lifetime and one of the weird things is i knew him as a cartoon character before i knew him as a guy as an actual guy yeah because when you read comics as a kid like you didn't see stan lee on tv ever or in anything really and when i was a kid i don't remember ever seeing him interviewed i only saw his cartoon face and his q a in marvel comics okay but let me ask you this now i know you're not necessarily a comic book collector anymore no who is the current editor-in-chief of marvel comics Maybe I know, but I can't. I I, I don't know. Anybody going to tell me? Anybody who knew that off the top of your head, feel free to tweet it. Oh, at you me. don't know either. I don't know either. But I the thought point, you were going to tell the me, and I go, is "Oh, <laughs> that when we were kids, we knew it was Stan Lee. We knew who the editor in chief of Marvel Comics was because he had his soapbox. He had his column, monthly column, which was on the back of every single issue of every single Marvel Comics book that went out there." He used that as a platform to talk about all kinds of issues, racism, um, uh, whatever. I can't. That's the only one that's come to mind, of course, because that's the one that got shared by everybody this mm -hmm. week. Uh, but he, it was always good. It was always interesting. And it was something that as like an 11, 12 year old, I started to take an interest in and realize there was more going on in the world than just my own kind of in, world of like comics and sci-fi nerdiness. So uh, I knew again, I knew the same thing. I knew who he was before I ever saw him, in, saw him on TV or in movies. Uh, he was the cartoonized version of himself, but um, I certainly did know who the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics was, and I couldn't tell you who is has been in that position since Stan Lee left that position. Well, no. So I, think, I think his legacy, you know, every, people are talking about the, co the creation of Spider-Man and X-Men and all these other comic book heroes, which, um, you know, by the way, he co-created, and some people are glossing over that, which I don't think he would necessarily like. It wasn't as though he was trying to take the credit away from other people it's just that he was the most visible person and people tend to kind of attach those things to the most visible person in an organization right you, you think about the lead singer of a band and not necessarily the whole band like who's who's the bass player for like tragically hip uh see uh who, you know who gordowney is you don't know who the bass player of the tragically hip is I can't even think of a joke. That's right. That's how little I know about him. <laughs> no, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. So, so Stanley was like the lead singer of Marvel Comics, and uh, and then he continued that uh, role after, even after he left. Um, I guess he still worked for Marvel, right? He wasn't editor in chief anymore for a long time. Uh, he was the like almost. He was like the, a spokesman at large. Right. He was just a, just a guy. He was he yeah. was kind of the 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 person behind the brand doing the cameos yeah the doing the cameos and all making con appearances and he had his own little he has his own convention he does in los angeles so it, because it was because of that visibility and his personality and the way he acted in public that i think comic book franchises are where they are today i certainly would credit him with 
with the uh, popularity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and mm. kind of helping to make that what it is today. And, uh, you know, you're right. You weren't surprised. He was 95. That's a pretty good run. Certainly nothing tragic about that. It's unfortunate that we've lost him, but hey, he had a great yeah. uh, career and he's got a great, left a great legacy behind and we'll continue to remember him And every time we watch one of those movies or read one of those books. Well, a couple of the other things I thought of, I saw one comedian on Twitter not being funny, seriously saying that he thought it was, uh, he like being sarcastic, saying there's no better way to remember Stan Lee than to post a photo of yourself with him, like many celebrities are doing today. Like was sort of taking people to task. Oh, I saw that. Uh, yeah, who was that? Army Hammer. Oh, I thought it was a comedian. No, it was Army Hammer. Oh, I thought it was a. There's a. There's a U.S. comedian who's very well known in the U.S. and almost like no name brand in Canada. There's a, like oh, okay. one of those MTV people. Army, Army Hammer also was also getting on people, but I'm like, who is that guy? Oh, really? The Lone, he did it the too. Lone Ranger himself. Okay. Okay. So maybe this was more than just one person doing this, but um, I never thought of that before. And it, there, I, I, you know, I was kind of like, I guess there is some truth to that which is we write ourselves into the story of the person who's dead, and you're like, well, maybe that isn't appropriate. I, but I guess, I, but that's what a memory is. Ex exactly. Yeah. And that's, that, well, that's one of the reasons why I don't ask for selfies when I meet a famous person. I just want to keep that memory for myself. I don't need to prove to anybody that I met. I didn't never did, of course, meet Stan Lee. Yeah. But I guess what people want to do is prove that they met him, prove that they have him. I, like, I know another um, um, one of my uh, committee members for FanQuest, uh, Lyndon, uh, did meet Stanley at a con in Calgary a couple of years ago, and he had him sign a couple of comic books for us that we actually gave away as prizes for the silent auction at the first fan quest. And didn't get a chance to get a photo, but Lyndon still has that memory of meeting Stan Lee. And someone told a great story. Uh, oh, I don't remember who it was. The story was that they went to meet Stan Lee, and they asked him to personalize the autograph so so that Stan he goes. You can, you can personalize it to me so that you know I'm not going to just turn this around on eBay. And then Stan looks at him and says, sure, but one day your grandkids might. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, they might. You're right. Oh, but, boy. But it was so, so, so many great stories like that. That, to me, means more than a photo of a person with Stan Lee. Like, that was – there were so many great stories about him okay. and about meeting him. And here's one last question for you because this – when I was a kid – one of the things that perplexed me about Stanley, like I think I was too young to even understand what he was writing about, like in, in his column in the comics or when he'd answer readers' questions and stuff. A lot of times I didn't understand the answer. Right. Or I didn't understand kind of like a joke that was that he would write in response to a question and things like that. But I remember as a kid seeing Excelsior um, exclamation mark, which he did. He end, he ended every column yeah. like that, did he not? Yep. And I remember probably not reading that as Excelsior, but reading it as something else, or some unpronounced, like uh, like Prince was an unpronounceable symbol. As a kid, I looked at that one. What the hell is Excelsior? I, well, I thought the same thing, but I looked it up. I went to look it up. Okay, and so out what, what it meant. so you did what uh, every kid should have done because <laughs> I know I know this was something that most kids were like uh, like if they could pronounce it, they didn't have a friggin' clue what it meant. So, and I saw the hashtag after he died. So, why don't you educate us? What is it? You looked it up. What does it mean? I looked it up when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't remember what it means now. Are you gonna do it? Uh, well, I'll look it up again. How about I do Let's that? Get, I want the real. I want the real story. I, I don't because for uh, two. two I think too many people, even the ones who use the hashtag, they don't have a clue. No, actually, I interviewed. I, I interviewed a local comic book artist and creator. Um, uh, uh, earlier this week for CGOB, and um, and he said he, same thing as me. He said he looked it up, 
And <laughs> it's funny. There's different. There's different definitions. Ah. Oh, what is going on here? Is it? It is means it... like onward and upward or something. That's yeah, something. yeah. That's right. Always upward. Oh. That's what it means. So at the end, and, and uh, as on the New York State Seal, so that's probably where he got it from. Okay, so when I write at the end of an assignment, when a student fails an assignment, I always write, well, not always, sometimes I write onward and upward. <laughs> and so that's that's his version of onward that's and That's exactly upward. Yeah. what it is. Yeah. Always upward. There we go. Oh, that's always good upward. too. That's like a Casey Kasem. Yeah. Keep your feet on the ground and your head <laughs> up your ass or whatever it is. <laughs> in the stars. Yeah. Oh, sorry, in the stars. Yes, <laughs> same thing. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. Another person we lost this week, just the day before Stanley, was Douglas Rain. Um, not very well known, but he was he's the iconic voice of Hal 9000, the uh, murderous computer in, uh, in, a, in a 2001 A Space Odyssey, and 2010, reprised the role in 2010. Um, and little known fact, and little known to even yourself, uh, when I came, came here to record the podcast, he was from Winnipeg. He was from right know. here in our city. Didn't, I don't born think, here or lived born here? Born here, lived here until about, he went to the University of Manitoba. So hmm. I think that he stayed here until, hmm. you know. At the same time as Marshall McLuhan? Maybe. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know how old he was. That would be interesting. No, he was, how old was he? He was like 90, 90, Douglas Rain. Anyway, um, so he was, he did, uh, he was from here, but I don't think he stayed around. He he went off to pursue a career in acting, was much more prolific as a stage actor. He was part of the Stratford, um, you know, festival and did a lot of Shakespeare and that kind of stuff. But uh, apparently the story goes that Stanley Kubrick heard him narrate a documentary of some kind and uh, loved the voice and, and asked him to be the voice of Hal in, in 2001 and the rest is history that is like one of the coldest most it, it's weird it's like emotionless but at the same time it sounds very human I don't know how he does it it's such a good voice have you seen that movie lately 2001? why are you asking me David <laughs> yeah when is Dan? <laughs> yes. um, yeah of course this year is the 50th anniversary of 2001 and if you haven't watched it recently I highly recommend like a HD blu-ray something or other version of it because i was i took it out of the library on each on blu-ray and watched it this summer and it's such a good movie it's so good and people say um the beginning is dumb and the end is dumb or, or weird i guess i like the beginning okay i like the monkeys and the stuff and i under because i understand what it is when i was a kid i didn't understand what it was but i still get you get through that part and you get to the part where they're in space and it's it's just amazing it's an amazing movie and he's an amazing part and of the it. Be- so. The best part, of course, is Daisy. Yeah. Daisy. Daisy. Give me your answer, to. I'm half crazy. All for the love of you.
Yeah, when he's singing Daisy, as they, as, as they start turning down the power. Yeah. Oh man, such a yeah, good scene. Yeah, I should rewatch 2010. I have not seen that oh, one in a bad. long time. I, I I remember it being pretty good. Yeah, and not it, like it's not it's not it's the not same amazing. kind of movie. It's not the no. same kind of movie That's as 2001. The problem. Right, because you go there expecting like whoa, a whole new. But the pro it's it's sort of like the first example of a movie that tries to explain a prior movie. <laughs> And right. it's better left unexplained. But it's, it's, set, it's yeah. weird because it's set in the Cold War of the 80s, even though it takes place in 2010. You know what I mean? It's like oh, it's, it's, right. it's, it's as though the Cold War continued through the 2000s into 2010. Right. And being, meanwhile, that Cold War didn't exist in the 2001. <laughs> well, it did, but it, not in the same form. Um, you know what I mean? Like the, like the Russians and the Americans, the whole thing going yeah. on in, in 2010 that was different. Plus, it's Roy Scheider. Who's amazing? Like he's so good in everything he's well, in. Well, yeah, and, and I think um, what's his name is in it too. Uh, 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 uh. Yakov Shmirnov. Uh, I wish. No, no, the other Russian guy. Um, oh, Bob Balaban is in it. Balaban yep. and um, why can't I think of his name now? Oh, Douglas Rain. Famous actor. Douglas Rain is in it. He, uh, no, the uh, uh, in <laughs> Footloose, he is the the Bible thumper. Oh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Oh, okay. <laughs> why did, I was like, why oh, do you go, why can't why do you go to of... Footloose? There's so many other roles you could t- you could because pull from. Because that is the one where no, there's no other Bible thumper that comes to mind from Footloose. Because I was gonna first, I was gonna say Terms of Endearment. I was like, oh God, Jeff <laughs> no. Daniels, Danny DeVito. You gotta go down the big list. That's of right. Actors. That's right. So I was like, nah, that's probably the quickest. Yeah. John Lithgow is in it. That's right. Yes. And I remember thinking that tw- 2010 is like. The movie 2001 for people who don't want to be confused. Like, yeah. where, like it's just a little too on the nose for, as a it, sequel. It explains but it's a what, good, ha- what but happened. I still remember enjoying it. One thing I didn't know, I always assumed that the book came first and then the movie, but that's not the case. Oh. In 2001, the book was written at the same time as the movie. Oh. Arthur C. Clarke worked on the screenplay with Kubrick. And wrote that novel at the same time, so that wow. that so it was not like. And then of course he wrote the sequel, the to the book, just before the sequel to the film came out. So that all that was like kind of parallel, which is not usually the case. Usually the book comes out a couple years beforehand, and then they decide to make a movie out of it. That's gonna do it for the nerd news. Uh, let's talk about social media. With pictures of me and a list of my friends and an unofficial record of the groups that I'm in. Before the internet, friendship was so tough. You actually had to be in people's presence and stuff. Who would have thought that with a point and a click, I would know that Hope Floats is your favorite flick. Harry Connick Jr. Facebook. Facebook. I'm hooked on Facebook. Facebook is in trouble again. Oops, they did it again. (laughs) They... Hacked our data. No, but what did they do? Tell us. Well, you, you've read the Times piece. Yeah, this sprung out of the New York Times uh, report this week. And it's when I first saw it, I thought, I teach PR here at the college. And it appeared to be um, the PR strategy that Facebook uses to um, for crisis management, I guess you could say. And I was like, oh, sure. this will be interesting from a PR perspective. But it turned out to be more than the story wasn't just their crisis, how they conduct crisis communications, it was almost uh, sort of a, an expo, it was, I would say, an expose of some questionable activities they've used um, to sort of cloud their role 
in uh, some recent scandals that you might have heard of. And it's interesting because they have the, the. I was listening to the Daily this morning, which is the New York Times podcast, and I find that's a great way awesome. for me to get the information. I'm not uh, as inclined. I was talking to somebody about this over the weekend. I'm not as inclined to read a big print piece as I am just to listen to someone talking about it, just the way I like to consume the story media. itself. Though is like. They did one last week that was so well worth uh, about how law enforcement missed the rise of the alt right and right. how law enforcement's kind of oh man this is a pretty major screw up the way things sort of have played out and at first I was like I don't know I don't think I want to read this and then uh, then as I read it I was like oh my god this is like an incredible well researched and like an extremely educational. Um, article and I sort of had the same thing with the Facebook one where first I was like I know all this and then as I read the article I was like ah no I don't <laughs> this is well, like pretty so, amazing so getting down to the, the bottom of it what, what really seems to be the case is that someone in Facebook knew about the fake Russian accounts mm -hmm. trying to influence the election 2016 election before the election like they knew about this they saw these accounts and it went up to Zuckerberg and to other, the other head honchos at Facebook, and they decided not to do anything about it. Well, his sister works at Facebook, too. Right, right, right. Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah, yeah. So she, so those two, um, obviously, and, and I like the way they explained it in the podcast, because they say Mark Zuckerberg comes at this with a, okay, what do we need to do to stop this kind of a thing, right? How do we beef mm -hmm. up security or something like that? And she's thinking, oh, man, how is this going to implicate us in future issues? Meanwhile, the, the solution was to not say anything. To anybody and to not shut down those accounts because right. they didn't want the the reasoning was that these accounts were using right wing kind of propaganda to fuel that side of the election to try to help Trump win. That's and, what they're saying. And and that they also pursued a strategy uh, to smear Apple and Google. At the oh, same time. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that part. Oh, of it. yeah, okay. yeah. There's so that's a, what you get for reading a little the bit of like, keep your eye on this shell. Okay. And, you know, there, they, there, there was some of that. And, and that might also explain why in recent times, Tim Cook has not had positive words to say about Facebook. He has coached them in kind of uh, using language that doesn't outright um, slam them, but it's clear you know, who he's referring to when he talks about data breaches and yeah. stuff. Oh, absolutely. Where he's like, you don't have to well, worry about Apple doing that. And what he's basically saying is because it's Facebook doing it. Yeah. That's the that's Well, the Facebook has always been upfront about selling its users data. I think that I, I think they've been upfront about this. I've always kind of been aware that that's that's their business model, like in the sense that they're going to, you know, target ads to me because I like uh, Star Wars on Facebook. They're going to target Star Wars related ads to me and that kind of stuff. That kind of thing is fine. Although I don't see as much of that as I used to. But um, yeah, the, the the issue seems to be that Facebook didn't want to appear because this I think was right around the time where Facebook was getting shit for their remember that news feed thing. I don't even know if they still have that. That thing. No, where they, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. So they used to have like a they're trying to kind of be this news source. So you can see all the headlines popping up on the sidebar. Oh, I thought you were talking about the uh, before you could choose to see your posts in order no. or algorithm style. There used to and be then a they sidebar. Away. Yeah, the side the news sidebar. It would say. Um, yeah. It doesn't really have it here anymore. No, it doesn't. So it used to be a thing where here are the, here are the top stories of the day kind of thing, and you could see it. They, someone accused them of of slanting those towards the left and being being more more uh, progressive left wing political ideas and and not as many conservative ideas. So the reason they didn't shut down these uh, Russian accounts is because they're spewing conservative uh, vitriol and and uh, they didn't want to be appear to be like on either side of it. So. Through their, I guess, wanting to remain neutral, they they facilitated these accounts somewhat having an effect on the election. Anyway, 
All this to say, <laughs> this took a long. This is a long way to get get to well, it. Well, because it's it's a complicated it story. There's there's many prongs to this story. But this, I figure, it's time to check in and see how we are liking using social media. What's changed about social media over the last few years, and uh, and see if our favorite platforms are still what they used to be. So we'll start with Facebook. I know that you've never been a huge fan of Facebook. Have you ever been a huge fan of Facebook? No, no, it's never I, been I've, a thing. No, I've never like I was one of the first people going. So what? It's a bloody yearbook on like like I was that guy. Yeah. And okay, they proved me wrong about that. It's way more than just a digital yearbook, of course. Early on, that's what complainers like me said. Yes. But okay, they shut us up. They proved us wrong. But it's I think way I, bigger than I that. think they tried to be too much. Like they tried to be everything to everybody. Well, they swallowed up a lot of other companies. Sometimes some they paid for. Others they just stole their ideas. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and they and uh, then they. You know, it became clear they wanted you to always be on Facebook. Right. They wanted that to be your internet. They wanted it to be AOL Part Two, where uh, <laughs> where all anybody thought of when they thought of the internet was Facebook. And yeah, came and actually that's you know, it's very, pretty well it's, at doing that. It's act, yeah, in some countries, the Facebook is pretty much the internet for a lot of people because yep. they they don't have access to a lot of other websites, and so there are there are some countries in the world where that's all you do on the internet is go on Facebook and talk to your friends. Um, but I'm thinking of things like trying, like they're still trying to reach into the uh, video space, not very well in my opinion. Like every time I get into, like they have this new tab. By the way, my, one of my biggest pet peeves on my phone is to see like the notifications, these little these little red numbers that pop up next yeah. to an app. I hate, I'm obsessive compulsive about them. I want to clear them all the time. So when I get something like this, so for example, uh, because I work- at You can shut those off. How do you shut them off? Uh, under your apps, you can shut off your notifications. So. I will only, I, so I don't get any push notifications anymore. It's not, it's not push notifications. Oh, it's the little numbers. It's the little numbers sitting yeah. there. I don't, I don't get the, I shut those off too. You do it on the, in the uh, app menu. Okay, I'll do that. Off. But the thing is, the problem is that for Facebook, I do want some of them, but not all of them. For example, right now oh. I have 78 on the, uh, face, on the Facebook pages app, but that's because I'm now part of the CGOB Facebook page, which oh, has a lot more interaction. No. But I don't. I want to see the fan quest stuff. I want to see the media nerd stuff. I do not want to see the CGOB stuff. They, so there's there's that. A, as it stands, there's already too much stuff. But one on of the that, things like, that comes here's up is your notifications, and you. It's like so and so left a message for so and so, and you're not even involved. Has nothing, in to, it. nothing to do with you. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that's really annoying me is this whole video tab. They've got a new video tab here where you push on the little. It looks like a TV, and now now it's trying to turn itself into a YouTube. So then you can scroll down and see all these videos that are being featured. Um, I don't think they can. Uh, they can necessarily um there's no subscriptions per se although maybe there is i haven't really looked at it but i hate you know it's it, they're all kind of formatted for they're all boxes first of all they're all formatted for phones vertical which, square vertical which drives me nuts because a lot of these things were shot in landscape and they're meant to be seen in landscape but they're being of course um, reformatted for Facebook and for your phone. And the other thing I hate about it is that they try to insert ads just like YouTube has done, but YouTube is doing a much better job of inserting the ads into the content. I think YouTube gives the creators um, uh, control over it. I think that's how it works for I'm not for a them. big fan of YouTube ads either. I mean, they've, they've, they've taken some measures. They, they got rid of the 30-second unskippable ad. Yeah, that's so good. But but that it, just speaks to a larger issue, which is nobody looks at the pre-rolls. No, but you know what? On there, Earth, there, nobody looks. I'm seeing this. What's the, the point? People rise to the challenge, and now I'm seeing a bunch of very, very creative six-second ads. Right. That's the new format. That, well, that's what it should have been in the first place. Right. But we trained ourselves to go, well, this is all crap. 
that I, and I don't have to pay attention to because I can skip it whenever when, when the skip I just stare at where skip this shows up <laughs> right. and then I click it. It as doesn't, fast it as doesn't even possible. say. My, by the way, when you do it now, there's been a recent update where it used to say skip this ad in. And it has a yeah. countdown. Now it doesn't. Now it just has the countdown, and then it, after five seconds, it pops up and says "skip this ad." It doesn't give you that prompt until you can do it. So, but one of my favorite ones is the Jay Baruchel Royal Bank ads. Have you seen those? No. Uh, Jay Baruchel, of course, from um, many many films, a Canadian actor from what's some movies? Uh, he's the, I don't know. You don't know who Jay Baruchel? Is? Who the hell's that? Come on, he's the nerdy guy from like oh. uh, from This is the End. He's Seth Rogen's buddy and This is oh, the End. Oh, that guy. That he guy is... was at McNally this week signing yes, books. Yes, he was. Speaking of another book signing. Yes, let's, he was. Let's keep this going all the way through the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he was at McNally signing books. That guy. That guy. Yeah, he is I now, never knew he's, that guy's He's name. signed a yeah. sweet, sweet Seth deal. Seth Rogen's friend. He's signed a sweet deal with Royal Bank. He's become their new spokesperson. It's hilarious because yeah, he just those. he just looks like himself. Like he doesn't look like he's like he's like hey how's it going? Like he just talks and you just save twenty four seconds on this ad because it's over. And it's a six second ad that says one thing about the Royal Bank and then he makes that joke and that's it. And it's I've, very funny. I have always said that ads and movies need to need to do the same thing at the beginning of when you go to see a movie. Yeah, and it should say. Ford hates ads before movies, so thanks to Ford, you're not gonna see any ads other than this one for Ford. Hooray for Ford! Like, like, <laughs> end of story. For a second, there, I thought you meant our colleague Ford, who works. Uh, no. Harrison Ford, <laughs> which by where I buy all my cars at that's the Harrison right. Ford. But no, uh, but all, that's all you need. Yeah. Right. Like, let's have a sponsor. Yeah. That makes those go I think, away. I think we're getting back there. I think yeah. we will get back there. Um, but certainly uh, uh, the way Facebook, Facebook just inserts ads anywhere. They, they don't have a plan. It's clearly an algorithm doing it. I think on YouTube, like the mid-roll ads you get, the ones that are like kind of partway through, they always seem to come during a natural break in the video. So I think that they allow creators to insert those themselves into like placeholders. Um, and uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook is not doing that well. So Facebook is not doing video very well. They would still love people to upload their videos right to Facebook and just bypass YouTube, but I think YouTube is still winning in that category. Yeah, YouTube is still like the, the best place to look at video. There was an earlier story uh, this year that got by a lot of people, but is a another big slam against Facebook, and that is they've been telling people for years that video, 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 it's all about the video, right. but hang on. Earlier this year, it was revealed that they screwed up the video analytics. They were wrong Doesn't about video, me. video, video. Meanwhile, a whole bunch of media outlets fired writers and hired video production people because it was all going to be video. So well, then Facebook goes, oh, no, it turns out, no, we're wrong. It turns out people like looking at quick little written snippets because they're at work they don't like to watch videos so what remember that stuff we said about videos well we were wrong about that now it's, so te now, it's text over video now right so now everybody Which i hate as well like, major media outlets have gone all in on this on at the bequest of facebook and then it turns out that people were fired because of bad data on the part of facebook it's just unconscionable they're they're burning a bunch of bridges and they're they're burning our trust with them i don't yeah. think i don't really have any trust left for facebook some people still do some people do use facebook as their primary 
social media Ma- platform. Oh, many do. Many, many, many people are just like Facebook and that's it. Yeah. I always make the joke that half of my Twitter followers are like students who gave up on Twitter as soon as they graduated from the program. And that's true um, because they just didn't like it. And I, I still think, and let's, let's use this as a transition over to Twitter, that it is still my favorite platform. After all these years, Twitter is still the best. It's still more fun than anything else. Yeah, For me, o- the only and you you said earlier in the podcast you tweeted something that people got mad at. Well, they're the not only, mad, but you know, you get an argument going. It's kind yeah, of fun. The only downside of Twitter I find is the person who makes it their mission in life to respond to every damn thing you post. And I there's I'm I shall not name names, but there is <laughs> I have that happens on Facebook as well though. Well, this it to me the problem is on Twitter. Like sometimes you just throw in something out there and it's not like you and I aren't people who are tweeting anything like how, how objectionable do we get? Right? Like <laughs> Apparently hardly, pretty objectionable. Hardly at all. Alex but Trebek there, sucks. There are people like to say even a joke that I tell is edgy is giving me too much credit, I'd say. <laughs> but but um uh there's people who respond to every damn thing and and like gotta get their two cents in must state their opinion to all tweets and it's just like i don't know why the, those people make me use twitter less see I, it's just I, painful I, I, got, I pro or con it's like why do i need a comment on every damn thing every single time <laughs> i don't need to know this one person's opinion every single that's where mute comes in i guess i guess but, yeah mute or unfollow or yeah. block you can do that kind of stuff but i'm i'm reluctant to do any of that because part of the issue with facebook was that we all got into our little silos of Everybody agrees yeah. with us, and that's still happening. I yeah. was so surprised when our city voted recently to not open uh, Portage and Maine because everybody I knew was going to vote yes. I didn't know a single person no, was going to vote no, and then like 70% of the city voted no. And I'm like, how? Where are these people that didn't want this to happen? It's because we self select who we follow. Exactly. Online. Yeah. It's so that that, that, that's why I'm a little reluctant to do that on Twitter. Yeah. Fa- Facebook like makes it for you because their algorithm forces you into the silo of just people that you interact with the most yeah. and i don't love that either but i just want that's them all... not correct no i know i i just want i just want a completely organic feed that does not select i just want to see what what's been posted recently when i pop on there i think actually it would be better to do that because people would see more new content and probably go on there more often I think I, I I don't I don't like the algorithm in any of these platforms. Well, I would say I mean there was that old uh, story in the Atlantic, uh, famously in the Atlantic magazine that uh, that was headlined with or no I guess the co- magazine cover was is Google making us stupid? I remember and, that. Yeah, and that was a long time ago. Yep. Now I think the algorithms are making us stupid. They are. They're making all of us stupider people because we're leaving. Like, we're not making our own decisions. We're letting the algorithm make decisions for us, which is what the human brain does, is it, like, takes the easy road. And to be a smart, thoughtful, uh, connected person, you, sometimes you have to put a little grit into it, a little work, to get the news and get the information and to find out what music you might like. And to do things yeah, like that. I knew, I knew you were tying it back to music because well, that was a big beef of uh, Spotify and all these other right. things. Right. It's the same playlists. thing. Yeah. It makes us stupid. Yeah. It, it, ma- it makes us not be aware of things that I think 
um, are, would enrich our lives if we were aware of them. Now, the one thing the algorithm does for for Twitter and for Facebook and other platforms is it allows them to deliver the advertisements in a more meaningful way, I think. Although I'm still on the fence about advertising with these platforms as well. Nothing has ever gone really well for me when I've put money into advertising on these platforms. I did it. I put several thousand dollars into advertising for the first fan quest. And I don't know that that really had an effect on anything. Um, although it did increase awareness of the event. I don't know that how many people actually came down to, to fan quest because they saw, um, uh, our ads on Facebook, but, uh, that's always been the, the tracking conversions has always well, been they a say, problem. They say conversions are clicks, right? When, and well, no, a not, conversion not, is an action. Well, and that a click is an action. Well, no, it, but it depends on what you want them to do. Right. I want them to buy a ticket and that's like four clicks in to the process. Whereas if they click through to the website, Facebook calls that a success, which is fine, but that still doesn't happen as often as you'd think. Well, did you know Google now lets you on an AdWords campaign, um, you can, people who see the ad click on call and call you. And if the, if the, if the phone conversation or message lasts more than a minute, it's a conversion and you can track it to the ad. You can track the phone call the phone number of the person and the geographic region to the ad that they saw. I tell you, Google AdWords has become so ubiquitous. Oh, Google Ads now, sorry. Google AdWords or they ads? They changed it. Oh. It's go just Google Ads now. I don't even notice it anymore. On Google, on the yeah. search engine, I don't even notice Train the these. brain. Yeah, oh, yeah, I completely ignore them. Just like every other advertisement that's been around forever, you yeah. just kind of learn not to see it. So. I would argue that's that's almost a dead form of advertising on this uh, on this platform. All it does is like f get like, give me an ad for the thing I googled, which <laughs> which is stupid. Like why you just paid for for me to for, for me to find your website, which I would have found anyway. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's uh, this is maybe this conversation is not going in the way I thought it would, but that's why? okay. Well, we're talking more about the advertising and stuff. I just wanted to talk. Well, about no, it's the, all the of platforms. it though. But, I mean, it's hard to have a conversation about a platform without talking about all that stuff. Yeah, I guess. That's the thing. I mean, I just had my students go on LinkedIn. And I said, <laughs> and thank I said, you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Totally boosted my LinkedIn profile. Uh, but but nobody I, wants to, no Canadian student wants to go on LinkedIn. It's oh, crazy. No. Um, it's not good, though. It's well, not good. But no, but hang on. LinkedIn is now face what Facebook used to be, which is respectful conversation and uh and business related stories yeah. that help people at work and uh it's gotten better i'll be damned if it isn't better really to me, oh yeah like that is i never see anybody having an argument there i never see anybody <laughs> posting fake news i never i now the requests from bizarre people who probably don't want to see are kind of like over the moon, yeah. so they need to take care of that. But overall, if you look at you look at that LinkedIn feed, it is it is what Facebook used to be. It's like a throwback almost. It's refreshing, I would say. Oh, I think I'll it's have to give better. it a chance. Then I, a, I recently updated my again. I was on LinkedIn. I updated my uh, my status or whatever yeah. to include my new job as a, as a part time news anchor. And I got a flood of congratulations. And are you leaving Redover College and all these other things? I mean, How no. can I apply for your job? That's my favorite. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, people are. That's just, all you get. People just want to get this job. Yeah. But uh, they uh, want this job so bad because when you make it look easy, like we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're a teacher. That's what they're. Yes. Uh, You're a teacher. 
But um, anyway, yeah. So I did. So there were a, a surprising amount of people on LinkedIn that I didn't mm-hmm. think were actually there. So I will. Maybe I will give it another try. I just found just look that. Look at the feed. I'm there's lots, you, of, there's lots of spammy like real estate agents and stuff like that. Well, that uh, you know that kind of stuff adding me. And do I don't not like accept the request. I won't. That simple. If Although I don't we, know the person in real life, I'm not going to accept the request. Yeah, there's some Pretty of that. That's but, it. Yeah, but you know what happens as a teacher? I get requests. From people in the business program at Red River College, and I look at them sure. and I'm like, oh well, they're at this college, so I accept them. And then maybe one out of every twenty is just completely bogus, and then you gotta disconnect from them because they're like, whatever, it's spammy, it's not real, it's yeah. whatever, whatever it is. And this week I had an interview request, <laughs> classic. I had an interview request on LinkedIn from a student at another organization. And the student said, um, I want to interview you about your PR career. And so I send a message back. I'm like, okay, we could do this. But I just want you to know I'm in the education business. I teach PR. But if you're looking for somebody um, who works in PR, it might not be me you want to talk to. But I said, all right, but if you want to give me a call during Monday to Friday, here's my work number. Here you go. And then she messaged me back and goes, I'll keep that in mind when I write the questions for the interview. I'm like, okay. And I never heard anything ever again. <laughs> so, like, there's, there's, you know, did we need, was that a great way to spend some time this week? Nope. So it can't, there is that problem. Well, uh, just as a funny aside, um, you, our first year students did add me on uh, on LinkedIn and I had a funny conversation with our student, Bill, who, uh, using just the prompts on the instant messaging, so it tells you, okay, thanks, lol, haha. Yeah. All these, like, pre-made prompts for you I, I guess it's supposed to speed up the messaging process but we just kind of went back and forth with that for a little bit and had a little fun with like just a nonsensical conversation between uh, two people on linkedin um i want to get on to instagram before we make our recommendations so and sna- is snapchat Snap- even snapchat is dead to me it's for kids it's for it's for not even my kids it's for a certain generation between the ages of i'm gonna say 17 and 25 yeah that's a that, kid that well <laughs> i know me. but but when when i talk about my kids my kids don't care about snapchat uh by the way my son jack is on twitter and facebook right now uh we're watching that by the way but he did want to be there because his favorite youtubers are there so he wants to do that kind of stuff so we're monitoring that but yeah, Snapchat is dead to me. My stepson uses Snapchat all the time. He's like, you're not on Snapchat very much, are you? I'm like, no, I hate it. It's awful. And you're like the only person I know who's on it. So whatever. Um, Instagram. Instagram has become, I think, the dominant uh, social media platform. Owned by days. Facebook. Owned so. by Facebook, sure. Yeah. But um, but the platform, I mean, they've. I got to give them credit. They have not, other than doing the stories and they have this feed, live feed and Instagram TV, but the core... Um, the core offering of that single image or multiple images is not changed and they still don't let you link in the comments. They, they really kind of, they, they, they don't let you reshare natively anyway. You have to get another app to do that. But um, I like that they are sticking to the guns with, with the Instagram thing. It's it's still the same thing Although it was when it more people are posting those stories, and I don't know if that's where you're going to get loads of interaction. Well, so, uh, you don't get a lot of interaction. Which they stole from Snapchat, let's well, be they, Oh, for sure they stole yeah. from Snapchat. But you don't get a lot of interaction, but we do, what you do get is a lot of impressions. So what I see is uh, when I'm posting stuff for, face, for, for FanQuest or any other thing, that people will look at it, but they won't necessarily comment on it or anything like that but they will see it and i don't think that's dominated by an algorithm yet i think that that um kind of story feed like when you when you tap into the stories and just kind of watch them one after another that is just watching who's posted on stories in the order in which they posted Mm -hmm. so 
I think that's one of the last like non-dominated by algorithm things. It's not a bad sentence, but that we have in social media. So I do kind of like Instagram. I okay. So I did my uh, horror movie challenge, and I got more responses about that on Instagram than anything else. Mm-hmm. Although to be fair, I just did Instagram and Twitter. I did not post that to Facebook because I did not want to deal with. Facebook, like showing me the same stuff over and over and over again and having it come back up in my feed over again. Like I just didn't want to deal like the Instagram on Facebook is awful for that. So just Twitter, Instagram and Instagram by far got me the most kind of reach and uh, interaction with people. But that went very well for me. uh, Similarly, though, Instagram, what doesn't work about Instagram is it's uh, selfie central. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, There's there's a billion kind of like and and people really do seem to like that sadly hey, whatever I, I don't like it but i see a lot of it and i'm like i'll never i never will like it and actually yesterday ad busters uh, uh posted something about selfies that uh it's worth checking out okay, they posted cool. it on instagram and twitter about taking selfies and uh, uh, how it feels about it and of course ad busters is well known as being kind of a culture jammer <laughs> red ad busters kind of for years no, I know, oh, but it's good. They're, yeah, it they're online they're online awesome. so it's worth checking that out and um we're definitely going into more more stories on Instagram, yeah. and I'm always surprised at how you can post pictures of art. You can post pictures of like uh, like incredible stuff, and nobody likes anything. Basically, <laughs> basically, they want it's like really a place for your life stories. Um, that's what I see it as they in the internet. Like I don't use it for that, but I see people using it for that. That appears to be where all the traction is, and. Um, it's inter- it's just interesting to me. I see like uh, Ian McCausland, for instance, instance, will post photos of like his favorite album of all time, kind of thing, and he gets almost nothing. Like, like people just don't talk about music really anymore. It's weird. It's kind of like to somebody from back in the day, you would expect more traction on things like that. Okay. And really, it's more. Um, but he's for, a, young, for young people. That's not where the conversation. He's a photographer, is. though, and I would argue people who yeah. are following Ian McCausland because they want to see his photographs because he's an amazing photographer. Wouldn't that be like his primary offering? They don't care about his taste in music. To be fair, I'm sure it's great. Sorry, I, 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 I'm and I don't mean to imply that nobody cares about when he posts it because some people care and I care. I, and I, I would I'll suspect say he gets way more traction on stuff that is his original photography. See, I found but that, of course, he wants to sell that, so that doesn't help him anything to get a bunch of likes on a photo on Instagram. Yeah, but I think <laughs> one time I posted, I saw in Q magazine, the British music magazine, had a picture of the band Sparks with Guy Madden, filmmaker oh, nice. from Winnipeg. Yeah, so I took a picture of it. And I was like, look who's in Q magazine, and the only person who commented was Ian. Like, like it's one of those things where it's like most people look at it and go, I don't know who the hell that, I don't know this shit, and they just go into the next picture. Yeah. So there, there, it's it, it's good for some things. It's not good for other things, and it's and sometimes I find it depressing when people would prefer. And and don't forget, you and I, compared to our students, we are oldies who are surrounded by young people's conversation. Right. When I see my niece's posts too, I'm like, oh Lord, help us all. <laughs> right? Like it's I, just different it's different for different I demos. I think you have to yeah, you're right. You have to kind of uh curate your content based on who your audience is, if you want to think of it that way. Um but when I'm thinking about things that get a lot of uh likes like we're getting towards the end of the year. I'm sure at some point we'll have the thing or here's your most liked post on Instagram. And for me it's gonna be like a picture of a can of beer or I don't know, maybe a selfie, one of the few selfies I took this year or something like that. Like there's not, you're right, there's not a lot of like 
the stuff I hope is better content is not getting the attention. No, that that's I right. Have. That's the irony. The better con- the better the content, the less the interaction. Yeah. No, so we need another platform. It makes my head hurt to read that shit. There's a lot of that going on where uh, it's just like face. I know that person. Like, like is a bit of that. Uh, one thing I was, uh, before. Um, By the way, I got a student waiting for me for, all right, for we'll get, meeting time. Okay, we'll wrap Sorry. this up. Uh, before we go, I, we want to do recommendations, but just quickly, yeah. um, there's somebody developing a new app that is, is supposed to be the next Vine. Uh, yes, the guy from Vine. So the guy from Vine is creating yeah. this new thing. It's uh, what is it called? Byte. Yeah. B y t e, and you can follow him on Twitter. I've signed up for like email alerts whenever it goes live, and that's kind of I'm kind of excited about that. I I really still love Vine. Um, I it, loved it. It never did get its time. It should not have been killed as early as it was. It was just basically Twitter giving up on it because Instagram was kind of dominating. But Vine was something else altogether, and I really it was. That it back. was. It was a thing unto itself, and. Uh, I ended up following a lot of those people on other social media. Yeah, uh, there a lot of them went to YouTube. Yeah, the, Nic- the Nicholas guy. Yeah, Nicholas okay, Haskins. Guy, yeah, not Haskins. Guy. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking so about. So I followed, but it's not the same. What they did on Vine was specific to that. Yeah, you can watch it, Vine it compilations, so, yeah. but it's still not the same. Thinking about revenge. Where's Robert? Where's your husband? It tears at the soul. Where's your brother? But it can also be a weapon. Okay, let's get to recommendations now. Do you have something? I'm going to keep mine quick. On Netflix, there's a British crime drama called Shetland. (laughs) S-H-E-T-L-A-N-D. It's about a a pony? Well, I tweeted this week, I haven't seen a single pony in three seasons. What the hell is going on? Um, It is, it sort of is a, a nice, relaxing thing to watch at the end of a hellish hectic day ah there's nothing finer i finished all three seasons i i, I think there are isn't going to be any more i'm okay. pretty sure i think this is the final is this, season is this netflix original or is it a bbc it's a bbc okay. uh on netflix here in canada okay it's it's a delight it's calming and soothing despite the subject matter which oftentimes is murder and uh it's still uh it just works as magic on See, you Lately, I've, I took you, took you up on your recommendation and started watching Norsemen, which is kind of like that for me right now. That is like the nice, even though it is about like Vikings and violence and all this stuff, it's still very funny and very relaxed at yeah. the same time. So I've quite enjoyed that. It's hilarious. Uh, so I'll, I'll add that yeah. to my list as far as uh, once I'm done with Norsemen, I'll, I'll start watching there, Shetland. There's a guy on Norsemen who makes an appearance on Shetland oh, in a go. non-comic role. Okay. And when he shows up, you can't help but just scream with laughter. Uh, even though it's not a funny That's scene. That's pretty funny. Yes. Uh, for me, I'm also going to recommend something from Netflix. I watched last weekend The Outlaw King, a.k.a. Braveheart 2, uh, which is starring Chris Pine, uh, Captain Kirk, of course, and uh, what else is he known for? Uh, the guy from Wonder Woman. That guy. <laughs> that guy from Wonder Woman. Um, but Chris Pine plays Robert the Bruce, uh, who is uh, who went on to become the King of Scotland after the events of Braveheart. So this kind of picks up almost exactly where, actually there's a little bit of overlap between the end of Braveheart and the beginning of this film. And it, it picks up the story. It's still... Um, Still, uh, Edward Longshanks, the king, and his his kind of wimpy son, and those characters played by different actors. One of when the guy plays Longshanks is in fact uh, one of the actors from Game of Thrones, who's very very good. Um, and uh, overall, it's good. Uh, it was fun. It is a little reminiscent of Braveheart in that it's a bunch of dirty Scottish guys running around trying to rally the country to get together and fight the British. 
But uh, overall, I thought it was much, much better than I thought it was going to be, and I quite enjoyed watching. Oh, uh, the battle scenes are really good. Like, it's really cool. an intense. Uh, like, at the time, Braveheart was intense for yeah. you know, 1995 or whenever that came out, but this is also very good. And one, one piece, I saw one article that I agree with that says that this will tide you over until season eight of Game of Thrones, which is, like, now just a few months away. So... Uh, yeah, watch Outlaw King on Netflix. An excellent recommendation, and I better go. All right. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Media Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. I'm Jason Larson. Don't let the door hit you on the ass.